sales. And to all of those that would like to destroy the future of the greatest country in the world, our message to them is the same as my grandfather's. Them that's going, get on the wagon. Them that ain't, get out of the way. Herman Cain. Herman Cain. Solutions for a better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because you know, we are going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts because we want you to be better informed to help make this a better America. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Welcome to the show. Hey, Herman. How you doing today? Buddy? Doing good. You must be on some sort of uh, uh, different type of line today, huh? Yeah. On the road, I'm heading down to South Carolina for okay. the GOP debate. So uh, getting an early start today and hope to run into Marco Rubio's doing an event. And uh, right. Ted Cruz has an evening rally as well down uh, north of Charleston. So at a minimum, get to the Cruz rally and take sort of take the temperature down there in South Carolina before the debate tomorrow. Very good. Very good. I don't now, know if you saw that there was a new poll out in Iowa this morning from the Des Moines Register. And uh, their, uh, you know, their pollster has obviously an awful lot of experience in the Hawkeye State. What they found was sort of similar to what other polls have shown. You know, here I am talking about trends again. Yeah. And that is that Ted, Ted Cruz has lost a little ground in Iowa. But in this poll, he's still ahead of Donald Trump. Right. I think it was by, by three points with Marco Rubio still holding in third. And there's no evidence in any poll right now of any of sort of the you know, the establishment type of candidates like a Jeb Bush or Chris Christie uh, or John Kasich, there's no evidence of any momentum for them in Iowa at this point in time. But there's still an awful lot of people when they respond that they say they could still change their mind. Right. And I think that's probably the key point. They could still change their mind. And, and a uh, lot fewer people on the Democratic side, most of those people have their minds made up already. So there's a lot fewer undecideds on that side of the aisle in this race. And isn't... Bernie Sanders leading the polls in New Hampshire. Uh, and, I'm sorry, is who leading the polls? Bernie Sanders. Yeah, yeah, he in, in most of them, yes, he is. In fact, uh, his lead has expanded, and you know, I, I don't think we should downplay that. No, uh, I know. The, I know the Clinton people. Their probably their reaction would be if they lose in New Hampshire, they'll say, "Well, you know, Bernie Sanders is from next door in Vermont, and he had a home field advantage." And yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> but um, the, the the numbers have also tightened in Iowa. It's hard to tell whether this is just a natural tightening and it'll get a little closer, or is this a definitive erosion of support for Hillary Clinton? It was notable that yesterday she really turned up the heat directly on Sanders, and even uh, her daughter Chelsea, who was out on the stump, went after Sanders as well. So this is something to watch over the next couple of weeks. You know, Hillary Clinton, if you listen to her appearances in her stump speech, she is. Uh, I think she's much better when she's just sort of talking about herself. But when she's going after somebody more directly, I don't know how well that's going to play, and we'll have to watch and see. Of course, you know, you think back eight years ago, Hillary Clinton was not supposed to lose in Iowa. I know. Uh, and then she did. And then, of course, what I, the, the red flag that I'll keep waving, because I was there and I remember it, the polls all said that Barack Obama was going to beat her in New Hampshire, and then it didn't happen. So, right. Well, you know, still have to take these polls with a grain of salt. They are trends because they can the res, the actual results can be different after people actually get to the polls. I think you're absolutely right. Now, the president said that his speech was going to be non-traditional last night. What do you think? You know, I guess in some ways it was, but I didn't really think it was that much different. I, I guess you know the, the White House said, well, he didn't have 
any new programs to unveil. And, and so that's true. They didn't really roll anything brand new out. I guess the, the talk about this moonshot program to deal with cancer and cures for that, uh, that's sort of new. But uh, there weren't any, you know, big new programs. I guess we might get some stuff in the budget that he'll propose in uh, early February. But on the other hand, there certainly was a laundry list of items that he talked about during the night. So it wasn't like that he didn't he only he didn't just speak in broad themes or anything. I mean, the the focus of the speech was clearly meant to be sort of a clarion call for action on the future, not just this year, but after he leaves office. And in that, you know, he touched on climate change and global warming and other issues. I thought it was notable, Herman, that he only mentioned guns one time. I never would have expected that, especially after, yeah. you know, they, they left that seat empty in the first lady's box to uh, dedicate that to victims of gun violence. Uh, you know, there'd been a big rush on that, but he mentioned it right at the top of the speech, and that was it. He mentioned immigration only one time. Uh, you know, there were a lot of veiled references, obviously, to the Republicans, and in speaking with Republican lawmakers after the speech, they felt like the president was certainly, even though he was trying to sort of uh, uh, talk about, well, a post-partisan, bipartisan world, they felt like he was taking a lot of jabs at them. And And, you know, look, this is a partisan scenario. It's a partisan speech. And the reaction was certainly that way with Democrats, very upbeat afterward, and Republicans sort of looking around like, really, this was it? So I'm not sure it really moved the ball down the field at all. But it's certainly, again, it's a reminder of how powerful the bully pulpit is and how much tension a president can get while he's still in office. It is very powerful at the bully pulpit. And, you know, and uh, I think I would agree with you. He, that speech to me was trying to say to people, this is why you vote for Democrats. So he yeah, was laying some I absolutely agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah, it yeah. Was, it wasn't it, you're, you're absolutely right, Herman. He framed it that way. He didn't come out and say that. No. I mean, but it was, it was certainly implicit in, in his speech that these are the kinds of things you could do, and my party, it's the better one to choose. Nikki Haley knocked it out of the ballpark, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I listen, I, I thought, and I think uh, a lot of people liked it, though it did stir up some trouble within conservative circles because of uh, things she said about immigration. Uh, but, I, you know, I think there's a lot of people who look at Nikki Haley and who look at somebody who, as the governor of South Carolina, could well be maybe a vice presidential candidate for the Republicans this year. Right. Uh, she certainly uh, handled herself very well. A lot of people felt like during the whole blow-up over the Confederate flag, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. And uh, I think she only burnished her credentials last time you think about it herman that speech has been a wasteland for people it's just sucked them uh you know right off the stage in many cases in recent years and she did not encounter any problems last night no she didn't i thought she was very clear very articulate um and gave a very good speech and the fact that she took on that confederate flag issue in south carolina when she did that showed some leadership guts she knew that she was going to turn some folk off by saying we're going to take it down. But she said, we don't need a symbol that's going to divide us. I think that was a very powerful statement. And she said that again last night. So, uh, and, you, and let's face it, you know that if she were to be the VP, that would be one of those things they would talk about and certainly bring yeah. up. And, you know, uh, it's it, uh, just think about it. If, if she's, uh, you know, if you're going to have Hillary Clinton as the nominee, uh, what are the Democrats going to be talking about a lot? You know, Republican policies on women. Yes. And I would think that uh, one of the one of the sort of counterpunches to that by Republicans would be maybe to have a woman on the ticket. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. And the, the fact of the matter is that there are a number of very uh, good female candidates that could fill that role because they would be that good and not just because they are women. But as you know, and as you've alluded and you 
others have said, some people are going to vote for Hillary because she's a woman. They aren't looking at the email scandal. They aren't looking at the other distortions. They aren't looking at any of that stuff. And so that would be a great, great counterbalance. I thought she did a great job. You know, there was a reminder that you talk about voting for Hillary just because uh, one of the polls that I was looking at yesterday, deep down in, the approval rating among Democrats for her in Iowa is still up almost at 80 percent. So right. I know there's a lot of people who think she's really been tarnished and she's going down, but her numbers are still very strong, uh, even within our own party. And I think if she became the nominee, those numbers would probably get even stronger among Democrats as well. I think that Democrat voters uh, ignore more of the attacks than maybe Republican voters sometimes in terms of their support. I mean, I don't see, like you say, I don't see the movement relative to some of Hillary's numbers, like in a state like Iowa. But as soon as a, a Republican gets criticized by somebody or they raise a yellow flag or red flag, then all of a sudden people get a little nervous and this sort of thing. But ben- you know, and what's interesting in the GOP race right now is we're seeing a little more pushback from Ted Cruz to Donald Trump. It hasn't blown up fully yet, but there are seeds of it there. And the polls have certainly indicated that Cruz has come down a little. Now, has he come down a little in Iowa because... He peaked a little early, and it's just a natural thing. Or have the the attacks by uh, Trump worked against Cruz? That's you know there there is some evidence from some of the pollsters that maybe that is the answer. And so we'll see in this debate tomorrow night uh, whether or not that comes up and how uh, and how Ted Cruz deals with it because. Really, he has not trained much fire at all on Donald Trump, and Trump has certainly been after Cruz on this birther issue for the last, you know, almost two weeks now. Ben Carson says he's going to have more pep in his step tomorrow night. Well, Ben Carson needs to find some pep in his step because uh, you look at the poll numbers and it's just going the wrong way. I mean, he's still hanging around in fourth in Iowa. Uh, You know, I guess there's still always the possibility that he can make a comeback there. But it just seems like that his numbers have been trending down, and it's been a very difficult last couple of weeks for him. I mean, not only did he have the staff shake up over the holiday sermon, but he was off the trail entirely for two full weeks there. Yeah. You know, and he, you lose that time like that, you never get that back. And uh, sometimes the mojo just sort of goes the other way. And what we're seeing in the trends is that Iowa is consistently Trump and Cruz, 1-2, 2-1, however they are, and then Rubio in third. And then Rubio still in second in most polls in New Hampshire. But that's going to be another big thing. Again, I think a third-place finish even for Rubio, a strong one in Iowa, would give him a boost in New Hampshire the next week. Yeah, I would agree. Well, Rand Paul said he wasn't going to participate because he wasn't on the the main event stage. And I know some of his supporters agree with it, but uh, I think that – he gives up an opportunity to try to get his message out there. The reason that he's not on the main stage is because his message wasn't resonating. But Carly Fiorino, Rena, Mike Huckabee, and Rick Santorum, they are going to be on the undercard, right? Yeah, and I saw Paul's people were really aggravated today because that new Des Moines Register poll in Iowa that came out, Paul was in fifth. And, you know, they say, look, he's ahead of a couple of people who are going to be on the main stage. But then again, he only had 5%, so it's not like he's really in the mix of the race or anything like that. It's been a struggle for Rand Paul. 
Uh, yeah. He has not been able to capture the magic of his father, uh, Ron Paul, in the last two elections, who was able to get a decent share of the vote in both Iowa and New Hampshire. It just hasn't been there for Rand Paul. And I, I know his people uh, have, they have been fanning the flames a little against both Ted Cruz and Marco Rubio, uh, but it, it, it hasn't seemed to jumpstart his effort. No. I guess I, I understand him deciding that he's going to skip it. I get that. On the other hand, it is free PR to be at that event in Charleston, North Charleston, South Carolina. You know, you're going to have political reporters from all over the country there. What better way to get your message out? Yeah, because skipping it, he's going to get maybe a half a day or a day worth of coverage. Saying, okay, he's skipping it because he's going to be on the undercard. But like you said, if he were on that smaller stage, he's got exposure up there against only two other people instead of seven people. So you're right. I think he's given up an opportunity. But and I think, heck, I'd, I'd send him into the press room. You know, I mean, send yeah. him in there and talk to every reporter personally. I mean, you know, um, I get it. I, I understand yeah. why they did it. Um, I, I, but I also think when you have that gathering of so many political reporters, you must take advantage of it. I would agree. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. Travel. Right, we'll see you from North Tra- Charleston, South Carolina tomorrow, Herman. Travel safe, my friend. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show. 